Welcome to Sound Prints Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Sound Prints is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushevel. I'm your host for this week's magazine. Welcome to Sound Prints for the week of July 21, 2019. The KSB Alumni Conference and Reunion is coming up on July 26 and 27 at the Ramada Inn North in Louisville. It's going to be a great event, spotlighting KSB sports from the past, present, and future. Not into sports? There are other fun events as well. Rick Ricks will be the speaker on Saturday night at the Championship Banquet. We'll be live streaming from the ballroom beginning at 9 p.m. on Friday evening, thanks to Michael and Angie McCarty and the Radio Storm. Be part of the live audience or listen in on the radiostorm.com. We'll also be simulcasting on ACB Radio Interactive beginning at 10 p.m. Eastern Time, so join us from anywhere in the world. You'll be able to make requests for your favorite songs, say hello to your friends, and have a great time with the KSB alumni. You can still make hotel reservations at the Ramada by calling 502-897-5101. The cutoff date is July 24. Rooms will be $79 plus tax, but the cost will be only $60 a night upon checkout because the alumni is helping to underwrite the room cost. Pre-registration closes on Tuesday, July 23. Everyone who pre-registers will be entered into our early bird drawing, and you save money on tickets for alumni events when you pre-register as well. If you miss out on the pre-registration, you can still register at the hotel. Registration opens at 4 p.m. on Friday afternoon and again at 9.30 a.m. on Saturday morning. For more information to pre-register or for questions about hotel reservations or registration at the hotel, call Carla Rushevel, Alumni Treasurer, at 502-897-1472. The following announcement was posted on ACB Leadership on July 19. It is entitled, ABLE National Resource Center Announces 2019 ABLE to Save Webinar Series. The ABLE National Resource Center, ABLE NRC, is excited to launch our annual nationwide ABLE to Save Awareness Campaign Webinar Series that will run throughout the month of August in 2019. The series provides information about Achieving a Better Life Experience, ABLE, accounts. Weekly webinars will be held each Thursday in August from 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern Time and will include information for people with disabilities, family members, service providers, employers, attorneys, and financial planners. Each webinar will feature at least one ABLE account owner or family member who will share how an ABLE account enhances the health, independence, and quality of life for people with disabilities. The introductory webinar is Welcome to Able to Save Month, an orientation on what you need to know about ABLE, August 1, 2019, 2-3 p.m. Eastern Time. The webinar on August 1 is an orientation and an introduction to ABLE accounts and Able to Save Month. To kick off the Able to Save campaign, you will meet several ABLE ambassadors who will showcase their ABLE goals and 
the wide variety of ways in which an ABLE account can be used. Upcoming ABLE to Save webinars include opening an ABLE account, key decisions for success on August 8, 2019, 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. ABLE Best Practices for Work Age Adults, August 22, 2019, 2 to 3 p.m. ABLE Best Practices and Action Steps for Family Members and Supporters, August 15, 2019, 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. And Celebrating All the Ways You Are Able, Announcing Winners from the Able to Save Video Contest, August 29, 2019, 2 to 3 p.m. Enter the Able to Save Video Contest for a chance to win up to $500 for your ABLE account. Help motivate others to open an ABLE account and start on the road to a better financial future. The deadline to enter is July 31, 2019. For more information on the ABLE Video Contest and on the August webinars and to register for the webinars, please visit ablenrc.org. That's ablenrc.org. And a press release posted on Thursday, July 18, is entitled, Walmart and Sam's Club Set Standard for Providing Accessible Prescription Labels Across the U.S. This announcement included in this press release was first presented at the ACB National Convention in Rochester, New York. Bentonville, Arkansas, July 18, 2019. Walmart and Sam's Club are deeply committed to accessibility and medication safety for their blind, visually impaired, and print-impaired pharmacy patients. To enhance their commitment, Walmart and Sam's Club pharmacies provide Envision America's Script Talk Audible, i.e. talking, prescription labels at Walmart and Sam's Club pharmacies across the United States. Since 2012, Walmart and Sam's Club have equipped almost 1,200 of their pharmacies to provide script talk audible prescription labels at a patient's request. More than 750 pharmacies have been equipped in just the past three years, with 25 additional Walmart and Sam's Club pharmacies, on average, set up to provide script talk labels each month. Quote, the American Council of the Blind is excited Walmart and Sam's Club are showing their dedication to the safety and accessibility for the visually impaired through script talk availability, setting an important standard in accessibility in health care. Our relationship with Walmart has flourished over the years, and we look forward to continued growth, says Eric Bridges, Executive Director of the American Council of the Blind. Walmart and Sam's Club equips a pharmacy to provide script talk upon a single patient's request for audible prescription labels. Once a pharmacy is equipped, usually within 7 to 10 days, the pharmacy provides script talk labels to patients requesting them at no charge and without lengthy delays. Quote, the script talk system is important to providing convenient and safe health care for our customers, said Joanne Stevens, Senior Director of Health and Wellness Compliance at Walmart. 
We are proud this technology is available at Walmart and Sam's Club locations across the nation, and we look forward to adding more locations as patients ask for this free service at their local Walmart or Sam's Club pharmacy. This service is free and available at all U.S. locations upon request. The Script Talk labeling system, the industry leader in audible prescription labels, was developed by Envision America. To provide Script Talk labels to their patients, the pharmacy places an RFID label on the bottom of a patient's prescription bottle. The patient then places the bottle on a small battery operated device called a Script Talk station, which is provided at no charge to the patient. The Script Talk station reads the prescription information out loud to the patient, including the patient name, prescription number, drug name, dosage, use instructions, warnings, educational pamphlets, and pharmacy information. Quote, we already have almost 1,200 Walmart stores and Sam's Clubs offering the Script Talk system, says Amanda Tolson, a director of Envision of America, maker of the Script Talk system. Walmart is a leader in disability rights, and we're pleased to grow our partnership to benefit the visually impaired community. The Guide Dog Users of Kentuckyana, a chapter of both the Kentucky Council of the Blind and Guide Dog Users, Inc., was in charge of the program at the July 19 Greater Louisville Council of the Blind Roundabout. The speaker was Sarah Bevan, and she made an outstanding presentation and answered questions on pet care, pet health, and pet nutrition. I haven't owned a pet for about 20 years, yet I found her remarks to be very informative and interesting. Thanks to Adam Rushevall for editing the hour-long program for Soundprints. Listen to this information-packed feature on page 2. And on page 3 is the Soundprints calendar. Page 2. Hi, everybody. We're going to get started here. I'd like to introduce Sarah Bevan. She's been here before, so some of us are here to say welcome back. And... Uh, she talks, she'll be talking with us about what your dog wants you to know and, and some uh, first aid tips too, I'm sure. And Sarah has, she's got a wealth of information to share with us and she hopes, I'm sure, that you ask some questions. With no further ado, I'll introduce Sarah. So let's welcome Sarah. Thank you, Deb. A little bit about me before we get started. I practiced physical therapy for 25 years. I was a rehab services director at a long-term care facility here in Louisville. And then one day we got a new administrator and this individual was asking me to do things that made me feel very uncomfortable. So I thought, you know, whenever I retired, I had wanted to do something related to dogs. My family rescues senior dogs with special needs. So I took an early retirement, and that's when I studied first aid for pets, uh, canine massage, and um, not too long ago I got certified in pet food nutrition. So uh, we have six dogs currently. Uh, all of them are toy breeds, and they all have special needs. So if you do have any questions, please don't hesitate to ask. Like Deb said, we're going to talk about what your dog wants you to know. This is just some basic information. It works for your guide dogs. It works for your pets. 
and even for some cats, okay? It's just makes you a better animal parent. The first thing, some information that you want to have handy can be on your person, um, stored in your phone, that you would need about your pet in an emergency. That is your pet's name, any general health information, whether or not they have been altered, if they've had any accidents, wounds, any other health concerns, are they on any medication, and what, what is that? Um, it can be as basic as um, heartworm, monthly uh, preventative, or any other medication. The vaccination record, and this is really important, your pet's weight. If anything does happen to your pet, you know, veterinary medications are given according to weight. So that becomes a big issue. So you kind of have to have a, a good ballpark idea of what your pet's weight is. Also, you need some emergency contact information. Your vet's phone number, address if possible. And what do you do if you, your animal needs veterinary care when the vet's office is closed? That's something you need to discuss with your vet. We are really lucky in Louisville that we have four places that offer 24-7 care, plus another one that offers uh, care during the evening and on weekends and holidays. But some vets will provide that service to their own clients. So you need to know what to do when something happens. And then also information on poison control. And some very basic vital signs information. Do you know what's normal for your pet? How about a heartbeat? For a small animal, a normal heart rate would be 100 to 140 beats per minute. A medium size would be 60 to 100 beats per minute. Now, how do you find a dog or a cat's heart rate? They have the same pulses that we do, but it's a whole, there's one that is easy to find and it's called the femoral pulse and it's located in either side where the hind leg attaches to the body. My husband Frank is with me tonight and he has got one of the dogs that we use to teach CPR, but this dog also has a pulse. So he's going to kind of walk around the room while I'm talking and show you where to find the pulse. You want to go to either hind leg, find the animal's knee, and then just slide your hand into where that leg attaches to the body. When you feel the pulse on the CPR dog, you'll know what it feels like. And then you can find it at home on dogs or cats, rabbits, guinea pigs, any mammal will have the, their pulse in this place, okay? So he's, he's wandering around while we're talking. Another thing that's important is to know what normal breathing is. It is a rate of 10 to 30 breaths per minute with that lower number for larger animals and the higher number for smaller animals. 
and you can check that simply by putting your hand on the animal's chest on the rib cage and feel it go up and down and one up and one down counts as one breath another thing that's important especially this time of year with the heat is hydration now there's two ways that you can check that we you can grab the skin at the back of the animal's neck and it should feel kind of thick and doughy or you can feel the animal's gums if there's enough fluid in their system they'll feel kind of wet and sloppy if they feel dry and sticky that animal is in a state of dehydration and they need some fluids yes ma'am um, what does the back of the neck feel like if they're dehydrated the skin will feel kind of loose and instead of that thick doughy feel it'll like almost immediately fall out of your hand and down okay thank you it's kind of thin yeah how to check your pet's weight you want to be able to feel the ribs if you can't feel their ribs they probably need to be on a restricted diet maybe not so many treats but um, you should be able to just feel their ribs but they shouldn't be so emaciated that you know they're sinking in under their rib cage and then we have their behavior nobody knows your animal as well as you do you know all their little quirks and things that they do on a daily basis and sometimes when they're not feeling well they will change with that and sometimes it's not real apparent what's going on and there is a that is a legitimate veterinary diagnosis it's called ADR and it means they ain't doing right <laughs> and well when your pet ain't doing right maybe they need some lab work some x-rays a good evaluation you'll be able to track some of this stuff down after we talk about it tonight but when you notice something isn't quite right they need some, if you can catch a problem in the early stages you can solve it a whole lot easier before it gets to be a big problem um, <clears throat> now it's a good idea once a week just to spend five minutes with the pet if you have a multiple pet household you're going to be busy but just kind of give them a good rub down nose to tail you want to feel for any kind of lumps and bumps that happens as our pets age a lot of them don't cause any problem but some of them could be so they need to be checked out by a vet you can feel for any kind of parasites if they would have ticks if they've gotten a swollen spot maybe they got stung by a bee if there's something tender um, just anything that's kind of out of the ordinary and you can pick up on these things and there's sounds of concern so we're going to go besides just giving your pet a good once over with your hands we're going to go over a couple of other things that would cause some concern so one is a change in their eating or drinking habits that can be a sign of parasites diabetes thyroid problems cushing's disease 
if they are drinking more. If they're drinking less, it may be a sign of uh, dehydration. It could be a sign of some sort of dental pain, or maybe they're depressed and just not feeling well as a general health problem. If they have an unexplained change in their weight, if their weight is increasing, that can be a sign of uh, an overactive thyroid. Um, it could be oh, they're gaining weight because of some pain and they don't want to exercise or be active. So they are gaining weight that way. Um, constipation, parasites, or some other health concerns which fall under the ADR category. A decrease in weight could be a sign of kidney disease, diabetes, underactive thyroid, or again, ADR. What about if your dog is lethargic, just doesn't want to do anything? And I said dog, you know, I'm a very dog person. Uh, my mother was afraid of cats, so I've never been around cats. I tend to say dog where I mean animal, I'm sorry. If, if your pet is lethargic and you notice a change in the behavior of a normally active pet, that can be a sign of pain. And there could be a lot of reasons for that. An underactive thyroid, it can be a sign of heart disease, anemia, or some other illness. What about bathroom habits? Do you know what's normal for your dog or your cat? If you notice a change in that, it could be a sign of a urinary tract infection, if they're going more often, or if they seem to be in pain. Um, male cats especially will have a lot of pain when they um, have uh, stones blocking the urethra. And that can be a life-threatening condition. They could be constipated, and um, a lot of times the change in bathroom habits will be a symptom of another disease. For example, increased urination happens with diabetics, it happens with overactive thyroid, and it also happens with Cushing's disease. Now, what about, how does your pet smell? If you've got some unpleasant odors there, what about their ears? If there's an unpleasant odor, if it kind of smells yeasty, well, that's a yeast infection. Or if it's just kind of unpleasant and grody, that could be a bacterial infection. Another sign of an ear infection is um, when your pet scratches at their ears a lot or they shake their head. Cats will do more scratching, whereas dogs will shake their head more. Skin infections, especially in um, loose skinned dog that has a lot of folds, like a basset or a chow. Um, they can get fungus or yeast infections in those folds. And what about your dog's breath? That can give you a lot of information. There can be a change in the, the odor of your dog's stool. You know, now, if you have recently changed their diet, or maybe they're getting a new medication, you might expect there to be a change in the odor. But um, if nothing, there hasn't been any change that you have initiated, and the stool has a different smell, that could be the sign of a problem. And then we've got mouth odors, okay? Dog breath is a well-known insult, okay? 
But dog breath is not normal, even in dogs. If the breath has a, a really bad or kind of a necrotic smell, that could be a bacterial infection in the mouth. Um, he might have an upset stomach. Maybe he's eaten something that, um, something got something in the yard that is different and hasn't agreed with him. Um, or he may have picked up some sort of an infection. Or probably the most common, he needs to have a dental and may even need to have some teeth extracted. If you notice a sweet smell that's kind of like nail polish remover or pear, that can suggest a problem with blood sugar levels, like in a diabetic animal. And that should be addressed as an immediate matter of concern because if we don't pay attention to that one and initiate medication and a special diet, the symptoms can get worse and become very critical. If you notice an ammonia-type smell to the breath, that could indicate a problem with kidneys. And that requires immediate attention from your vet. Increased thirst. Now, the type of weather we're having, your pets are going to be drinking more water. They need more water. But if it seems to be excessive and they have increased urination, or if it's not hot, humid weather, and they're drinking more and urinating more, that could be a sign of diabetes, Cushing's disease, overactive thyroid, and there are some others, but those are the most common. So just something simple as how often does the water bowl need to be refilled can be an important piece of information. Now, here's one, how about drooling? Now some dogs, some breeds, are natural droolers, okay? But if they are not, or if you notice, if you have a dog that is not a kind of a drooling breed and all of a sudden they do start drooling, or you have a drooling breed dog and he's, breeding, he's drooling more, that means that the dog is not feeling well. And it could be for several different reasons. And you need, there, there's an ADR thing. You need to get to the root of the problem. You may need help from the vet. vet. It could be something very simple, like there's a foreign body, a piece of food, a piece of bone, a stick, some little treat, something stuck between the teeth or caught between the gum and the teeth, and that's causing an infection. It could be the, the, um, due to poor dental hygiene and tooth decay, or a more serious cause could be a tumor in the mouth. Um, <clears throat> in that case, you might also have some bleeding in the mouth. And if the dog's in a lot of pain, if you go to um, approach the dog's head or cat, there I go again, dog, 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 um, and they kind of turn away, they indicate that they don't want to be touched, they don't want to be stroked, that could be a sign of trouble. And if they don't want to eat, eating could be painful. So they may not be eating their normal diet, may not complete it, and then we've got the bad breath thing again. Another thing that causes drooling is nausea. 
if your dog is drooling, and you also notice things like either licking their nose or licking the air in front of their mouth, yawning, excessive swallowing. Sometimes liver disease can cause drooling. Infections, um, it can be an early sign of bloat, which is more common in larger dogs, but that's an early sign. It can be a sign of pain or ingestion of poisoning. So see, there's a lot of things that could happen with something as simple as drooling, and that's you know, why it's that ADR thing that we need veterinary attention for. Other things that your dog or cat can show you that are signs uh, to be concerned, coughing, sneezing, or gagging, irregular breathing, shortness of breath, or panting, okay? So when they're at rest, and you do check their heart rate, and you check their breathing and things are going regular and slow, then that's what you kind of want to use as your guideline in anything that is different from that would be a sign of concern. Um, if they're doing a lot of scratching, head shaking, or losing their hair in patches, that can be a sign. Um, and any change in their behavior, and sometimes these are pretty subtle, and only the person that lives with them would be able to pick it up. But if they're showing increased anxiety, now, how many of you have pets that were not really happy on the 4th of July? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there, that's some increased anxiety. If they're depressed, usually when an animal's depressed, they're not interested in eating, they're kind of not interested in any activity that's going on, they just kind of sit, they're inactive and they stare. If they have lethargic, uh, any kind of lethargic behavior, maybe they're fatigued, any kind of trembling, shaking, or changing their sleeping habits can be a cause of concern. I want to talk about a few safety things, and one is visitors in your home, or even when you're visiting someone's home. You know, Dogs especially are very curious, but cats can do this too. And they like to get into things that are not familiar. So if you have a visitor and they have purses, backpacks, tote bags, or suitcases, the animals like to check out what's in there. And there's a lot of things that can be a, a source of, of problems. Um, Things like gum and mints that contain xylitol. Xylitol is an alcohol sugar that's used as an artificial sweetener. And it can cause, for dogs, not for cats, but for dogs, a small amount can cause a very dramatic drop in their blood sugar. It can cause liver and kidney damage or even be fatal in a very short time. Um, other things, a lot of people keep medications in their purse besides medications, and they, you know, things like Tylenol, aspirin, those sorts of things are very dangerous. The prescription meds also, and asthma inhalers can be dangerous. Cigarettes, or even the uh, e-cigarettes and e-cigarette liquids are toxic. Hand sanitizer, how many people carry that with them? That is toxic 
if the animals get into it. And here's one. Do you have dental floss in your purse? Okay, if they get a hold of that, it's not a poison, but if they play with it and swallow it, it can actually cut into their intestines. And that can be a big problem. Coins, swallowing coins, um, that can be a choking hazard. Or if it's pennies, pennies aren't made from copper anymore. They're, they, they're made um, with zinc, and that is to a toxic metal for dogs. So it gets in their stomach and is gradually broken down and absorbed. So if you have someone visiting you, make sure that their suitcase is locked, their purse is up off the floor, or maybe even in a closet, and you want to keep your own things out of the way. Um, <clears throat> now, something that's a little more timely, I wanted to talk about heat stroke. Um, are your pets feeling the heat? Yeah, ours don't want to go out. The normal temperature for dogs or cats is like between 100 and 102.5. So anything above that raises their body temperature and puts them into uh, risk for heat exhaustion and heat stroke. Just I found this little thing on the uh, internet today. When you're out walking, okay, have you ever heard the, the little precaution about putting your hand onto the sidewalk? Okay? I've seen a lot of different versions of that. Some say your palm, some say the back of your hand. The back of your hand would be more sensitive, so that might be a better way to do it. I've seen five, seven, and ten seconds. But, you know, I think a good rule is if it's too hot for you, it's too hot for your pet. Okay? And rather than counting seconds. But now your dog is going to be with you and needs to be out walking. So you may need to get some boots if it's really hot um, to protect those paws. The, the paws are probably one of the toughest parts on the dog's body, but they're still very sensitive and they can be burned, blistered, and even uh, the skin can be destroyed. Let's just say air temperature at 77 degrees, asphalt will be 125. At 86 degrees, it'll be 135. At 87, one degree increase in the air temperature will be 143 degrees. Eight degrees increase in the asphalt. Okay? And asphalt is going to be hotter than concrete. I thought this was interesting. If the air temperature is 92, and that's probably pretty representative of today, concrete will be 114 degrees. Asphalt will be 130. So it's important to protect your dog's feet. Also, you probably want to carry some kind of water so that they don't get dehydrated. And even um, a mist bottle, so you could mist their paws to help them cool off, would be helpful if they're going to be out for a long time. Um, <clears throat> if it's possible just to take them out 
in a cooler part of the day, that would be great, but that's not always going to be possible. And you never ever want to leave them unattended, uh, chained up, you know, in a car. You know, I love it when people park in the shade and crack the windows and leave their dogs in the car. That is, you know, on a day like today, it can be 140 degrees inside a car within 10 minutes. So you never ever want to do that. Um, some of the symptoms that you would want to be aware of that your dog was beginning to feel the heat, they would be drooling. They would be panting. If you touch them, they're hot to touch. And if the temperature goes any higher, you might notice um, a, a rapid heart rate. They may vomit or have a nosebleed. Other than that, the symptoms get pretty severe and they would be down, okay? Um, that is pretty much what I had prepared. Do you all have any questions? Yes, ma'am. One of my concerns with boots is that the dog's feet, I mean, they're sweating through their feet. Mm -hmm. And how, and I'm thinking that do boots, if worn for a longer period in hot weather, make the heat situation worse because the sweat can't evaporate? Well, you know, dogs only sweat a very minimum amount through their pads. Okay. Um, they really don't, that one of the ways that dogs fool themselves is through evaporation of moisture and through air exchange. That's their primary cooling mechanism. They, generally they don't sweat like we do. A very tiny bit through their pads. And yes, they could accumulate, but, um, you know, you, you might could, I, I'll be honest, I don't know a whole lot about different boots. Okay. I don't know if they have an absorbent layer inside or not. The ones I've seen don't, but don't. Okay. You just told me something that was very helpful because I did not, I didn't realize how small, uh, what a small proportion of it is. Sweat it's it's very tiny. Also, yeah. what about Musher's secret for heat? Do you know whether, I know it's really good for cold and to protect their paws. I will say that I have seen it listed as part of, um, to keep in your first aid kit for heat. Um, I don't think it would hurt, but it wouldn't provide a lot of protection from the heat, the way that, that you know, if they were on a um, hot asphalt surface. Uh, it wouldn't be as good as the boots. Um, but yeah, it, it would provide some. Any other questions? Heart rate for a cat is going to be a little a, a little higher than for the small dog. It's going to be like about 140 to 160 somewhere in there. I was on uh, YouTube and uh, you can find all kinds of things over there. About well, now you food. remember that commercial that said you can't put anything on the internet that isn't true? That's true. Oh, okay. Yeah. But. Uh, the Arcanon dog food, I noticed that they have some dog foods that are breed specific. And I didn't know if you had known anything about those or not. Um, really interested in the one for Goldens. Me too. 
Royal Canin, isn't that the brand that does the breed specific? They've yes. Been, they've been out at the dog show. Um, I know one thing that they do with the breed specific foods, they have different shapes that are supposed to be easier for like a brachycephalic dog to chew and they're larger for larger dogs. Um, that's one thing. As far as the contents, um, you have to read the label and you, you want basically you don't want it to say like meat meal you want the source like it's beef or chicken um, uh, also fat and they do need a certain amount of fat in their diet but you don't want it to say you know animal fat you, you need to know the sources and or byproduct right oh you don't want that at all yeah no, no, no. It could be anything. <laughs> Absolutely. And you know, it varies from state to state as far as uh, rules for transporting animals that are used in pet food. Some states will allow animals that die in transport to be used in pet food. Uh, it, it varies from state to state. And then they don't have to be refrigerated. They're, sometimes they cook up a big mash in a tank and it's not refrigerated. It's, it's really scary. There is so little rule about that. You don't, want, you don't want to see corn, wheat, or soy. And you do want specific protein sources, fat sources. And here's a little tip. It's called the, sort, the salt ladder. Most uh, pet foods will contain salt. And you know, the the bag will have all this gorgeous blueberries and squash and chicken and it looks really good. As you read the list of ingredients, look for salt because anything past salt is less than 1% of the content of the food. So if you've got blueberries down there and like it's, oh, maybe the fifth to last thing, there might be two blueberries in a five pound bag of food. <laughs> it was, you know, the wrap, the packaging, merchandising is everything, right? It can be really tricky. But um, there's a few things that you want to look for as far as the sources, not general things, and uh, stay away from uh, corn, wheat, and soy. Are there any other questions? Yes, sir. I have a cat that uh, this should be the same for a dog, I would think. Um, if your pet has injured itself and is uh, bleeding, um, would it be best to put some alum on that wound or maybe use some kind of a bandage? That's a good question. If it's the best way, the safest way to control bleeding is with pressure. And if you, if you just take what's handy, if it's a kitchen towel, paper towel, if you happen to have some clean gauze, that would be ideal. But put that over the wound and give firm pressure. And unless it's like a, a severed artery, if it's just, you know, a, a wound that's losing a little bit of blood, you should be able to get that to stop in about five minutes, okay? Now they do make a, a product called pet clot or quick clot and it was developed in the military to use uh, for gunshot wounds on the battlefield 
and it uh, for severely bleeding wounds, you know, like dogs that um, are search and rescue dogs, or maybe they're hunting dogs that might be subject to getting a, a pretty severe wound, um, you can sprinkle that into the wound and it automatically stops the bleeding. But for most, um, firm pressure will take care of it. Okay? Can I take care of it? Yes. Okay. Yes, ma'am. I have, do you, I know you just completed your nutrition certification. Do you do some consulting? And if so, do you have any business cards or um, something that you could share contact info about? Because personally, I know I would love to talk with you uh, a little bit more about some nutrition issues. Okay. Um, what I can give you is some there is some information on how to read the labels on your food, okay? And what to look for, what not to look for. I don't make like recommendations on special diets, okay? But general information, sure, and I can give you a card. Okay, sure. Anybody else? I used to work in vegetarian animals. They. Sometimes I have a hard time to read what it says, the one's mean doll or if it's in color code. And also I have a cat, five cats in our house. How they can how they can get along or not fighting each other. That's a really good question. Now the one thing I haven't studied is how to train and, and uh, alter behavior. <laughs> yeah, I can't really. Oh, <laughs> she's a grand old lady, huh? Well, yeah. <laughs> what happens to a guide dog if their owner dies? Yeah. She's asking what happens to a, a dog, a guide dog, when their if their owner passes away. Well, the school should be contacted, um, and they would help make the decision whether someone in that person's family would keep the dog as a pet. If the dog's young enough, the school may take the dog back and train it to work with someone else. Uh, if the dog's older, usually I think it's older than four, then then they would let the dog retire and, and be someone's pet. And the school could find an owner for it, or the family could take the dog, or if the person specified someone before they passed away, um, that would happen. But that's a great question. Also, on the guide dog question, when we did our wheels, we had it stated in there that the school was to be contacted and we have a person that is set to take care of what happens to our animals, whether it's our personal pets or guide dog or whatever. It's a really good idea to put in your will because it could go to, they could just ship them to the animal shelter wherever. Thank you, that's a good idea. Anyone else? 
Sarah, thank you. Do you have a fact sheet of any kind that you might want to hand out sometime? Okay. Yeah, that would work. Um, yeah, or some highlights from what you said today. That would be great. And Sarah, we thank you for being here this, this afternoon. And everyone, glad so many people participated. Thanks to everybody who's come today to see Sarah. We certainly gave her a nice big audience. Thank you all. I always enjoy spending time here. It's, it's kind of our summer thing, isn't it, Deb? Page 3. The Sam Prince Calendar. On July 22, the Guide Dog Users of Kentuckyana will have a membership call at 7 p.m. by phone on the line at 605-475-6006. The code is 294444. On July 22, SAVVY, the Support Alliance of the Visually Impaired, will have a budget committee meeting at 8 p.m. Central Time on the conference call line at 669-900-6833. The code is 3572-595-193. July 23 is an ACB Next Generation Nationwide Organizational Development Committee Conference Call, 8 p.m. Eastern Time at 669-900-6833, and the code is 3572-595-193. For more information on Next Generation, contact Amanda Selm at 502-750-1774 or email her at alsmoot, S-M-O-O-T, 87 at gmail.com. July 24 is the Bluegrass Council Peer Support Group meeting. It's from 12 to 2 p.m. The program will be Becky Cabe from the Office of Vocational Rehabilitation in the BCB Community Room in Lexington. For more information and to RSVP, call 859-259-1834. On July 25, the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision will have its next peer support group meeting from 1.30 to 3.30 p.m. at United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville. Call 502-895-4598 for information or to let us know you'll be coming. July 26 and 27 is the 74th Annual Kentucky School for the Blind Alumni Conference and Reunion at the Ramada Inn at 1041 Zorn Avenue in Louisville. For more information and to receive registration information, contact Carla Rushevel at 502-897-1472. On July 27 will be a Bards and Storytellers Musical Treasures from the Miguel. 1 to 3 p.m. The holdings of APH's Miguel Library include many rare and historic recordings by musicians who were blind or visually impaired, spanning the decades of the early 1900s to the present day. Our guest presenter, Justin Gardner, has curated the collection and takes us on a musical tour, stopping for stories about and songs by such standouts as Blind Tom, Moondog, Doc Watson, and Stevie Wonder. The event is free, 
but registration is required. Best for adults and older children. At the APH Museum at 1839 Frankfurt Avenue. Sign up by calling 502-899-2213. On July 27, ACB Next Generation will have its Saturday Night Live Hangout. 8 p.m. Eastern Time by phone for ACB members and individuals under the age of 40. Everyone is invited to join this nationwide Saturday night chat focusing on a designated topic. The number is 669-900-6833 and the code is 3572-595-193. On July 28, ACB families will hold a meeting at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Participate from anywhere in the country by calling 712-432-3900 and entering code 796-096. The program for this call will be Wills and Trusts, What You Need to Know, and we will have a guest attorney making a presentation on this topic and answering your questions. Looking ahead to August, on August 1, the American Council of Blind Lions will have a conference call meeting at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. This meeting is an excellent opportunity for lions from around the country who are blind or visually impaired to share information on how to be more involved in their local clubs. The number is 712-432-3900 and the code is 796-096. On August 2 will be a GLCB roundabout. Education and Technology, 3 to 5 p.m., Discussion Time, 5 to 6, Dinner, 6 to 7, Games and Crafts, 7 to 9.30. At United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville, call 502-895-4598 for more information and to register. On August 4, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind will have its committee meetings Advocacy at 7 p.m. and Education Activities and Technology at 8 p.m. Call 605-475-6006 and enter code 294444. On August 5, Savvy will have a program committee meeting at 7 p.m. Central Time on the Zoom line at 669-900-6833. The code is 3572-595-193. On August 6, the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision will have a conference call meeting at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. This is for individuals statewide who are experiencing low vision. Everyone is encouraged to ask questions, share tips, and offer comments. The phone number is 669-900-6833 and the access code is 3572-595-193. On August 8, the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision will hold a peer support group meeting from 1.30 to 3.30 p.m. at United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville. For more information, call 502-895-4598. On August 9 is another GLCB roundabout, Education and Technology from 3.30 to 5, Discussion Time 5 to 6, Dinner 6 to 7, Bargain Table, 7 p.m., Bingo, $2 per person, 7.30 to 9.30, at United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville. Sign up by calling 502-895-4598.
August 10 is the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind Board meeting at 11 a.m. The conference call number is 605-475-6006 and the code is 294444. On August 11, the Kentucky Council of the Blind Next Generation chapter will hold a meeting at 8 p.m. Eastern by conference call at 669-900-6833. The code is 3572-595-193. Also on August 11 will be an ACB Families meeting at 9 p.m. Eastern. <clears throat> this is open to individuals from throughout the country and the code is 712-432-3900. The code is 796096, and this will be a business meeting. On August 13, the Support Alliance of the Visually Impaired, SAVVY, will have a meeting in person from 1 to 3 p.m. Central Time at the Wesleyan Heights United Methodist Church, 1215 Sherm Road in Owensboro. Please note that this is a noon meeting location. Danny Wayne Beamer and D. Dodd from the Wabash Independent Living and Learning Center in Terre Haute, Indiana, will share information about effective lighting. Call 270-684-4418 or 270-686-8689 for more information. On August 13, Savvy will have a board meeting at 7 p.m. Central Time on the Zoom line at 669 900-6833. The code is 3572-595-193. On August 14, the Northern Kentucky Council of the Blind will have a meeting at 7 p.m. The phone number is 605-475-4700 and the code is 155619. For more information about NKCB, call 859 781 7369. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502 895 4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky acb.org. Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club, and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Soundprints. Have a great week, everybody.